Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning. Oh. Love Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. Uh, you've reached the voices of the Cannabis Wars. News right from the front lines. I'm your host, Kristen Floor. Um, you know, we, we're, I'm just going to go straight into this. The other host of the show, Eugene Fisher who served 25 years of a life sentence in, in prison, um, who's a mentor and a leader in our movement um, to the extreme. Um, Eugene Fisher is, we all look up to Eugene, like with everything, and he's usually here to host the show with us. But last week, he wasn't able to be here because he was sick. He, he actually fell and had to go to the hospital. Well, since then... All of the issues that he's been having, I don't know what has happened, but they seem to have escalated, and now he is in intensive care this morning. So this is a very, 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 very um, touching show for us because Eugene is not just the host of this show, does so much more. Um, You know, Mindy and I, we meet with Eugene a couple times a week to plan the show, and we always talk about how we're going to get all of his friends free and all the other ones free. Um, not only is he a mentor to us in the movement as an activist, but as a friend as well. He He's like a father to Mindy and I. He's, he, he's our backbone. He's a lot of our support. He gives us a lot of strength. Um, just knowing what he's went through um, pushes us to work harder. And he's, you know, not just on an activist level, but in our own personal lives as well. He's a huge inspiration to us. So this morning's show without him, it it is kind of hurting Mindy and I a little bit, but we're going to get through it because Eugene is strong and so are we. Um, and um, Mindy's going to stand in this place today. Mindy's going to be the guest host today. She was last week um, for Eugene and the week before she was a guest host for me because I was having a huge family problem. So, uh, Mindy is also one of the voices of the cannabis war. She fights for prisoners who are behind bars. Um, she does a lot of amazing things. Um, so we have an expert on the show to help us through it today. And she's also a good friend of Eugene. So if you hear Mindy being sad or something, try to cheer her up because, um, she's going through it too. We all we all love Eugene very very much, and we're, we're hurting because our friend is hurting. So um, today's show is going to be really good. Um, tomorrow's the Fourth of July, so before I let you guys know what the show is going to be about, I just want to send out a, a, a special shout out for Fourth of July because Fourth of July represents freedom. And here on this show, a lot of participants on the show, we all have kind of a uh, mixed feelings about freedom and about what 4th of July is supposed to represent. Um, for me personally, you know, my mom and dad were in prison on two different 4ths of July. My mom was in there for like three different 4th of July. And my dad, when they first arrested him, he was in jail on the 4th. And then when he 
um, got out and they sentenced him, he was in jail on the 4th. And so ever since then, I personally don't like to celebrate the 4th of July. I like to see the pretty fireworks, but they don't mean much if you don't have freedom. So um, with that said, um, 4th of July means a lot a lot to a lot of people, but to the people in the cannabis war or in the drug war who have lost their freedom, 4th of July don't mean a whole lot. So today we want to take time out um, to, 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 we always don't want to forget our fallen heroes. And we had a fallen hero by the name of Bill Lamorte. And Bill Lamorte was a very, very good, good friend of Eugene's. Um, He was serving a life sentence in prison for cannabis. And on his 20th year in prison, Uh, Eugene was there. Um, Eugene was in the prison with him. On his 20th year in the prison, um, on the 4th of July. Okay, I don't know what year this happened when Eugene, when Eugene is better, I'm going to find out what year this happened in. But um, Bill Lamorte grabbed his chest um, in the prison yard. And he just died there in prison of two major heart attacks. Oh, wait, I got a thing here saying from Mindy that he was not in the same prison with Eugene. But they met in prison and they were good friends. But Eugene said that he fell to the ground in the prison yard and died of two major heart attacks. And um, that was his 20th year in prison for cannabis. So Bill Lamorte is a fallen hero. And on 4th of July, we have just got to honor the freedom that he was actually fighting for. He was, he was um, in prison being held against his will, had no freedom, and, and passed away on the 4th of July. So this show is for Bill Lamorte. Um, because we love him and we never want to forget our fallen heroes. You know, he might have died without a voice, but we will never forget Bill Lamorte on our show, especially around the 4th of July. So um, today, take a special time to honor Bill Lamorte. Um, Kristen? So now I'm going to, um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, if um, I interviewed Eugene about, um, we wrote about it in the Northwest Leaf. It's in the July issue of Northwest yes. Leaf, Oregon Leaf and uh, Vegas Cannabis Magazine, um, to the best of Eugene's recollection, which he wasn't feeling too great when I interviewed him, but we we did put some stuff in the okay. magazine. Good, Mindy, because, you know, our fallen heroes, we have so many of them now that, that the list, and if anybody wants to listen to the end of the show, I take special time out to say a special rest in peace to all of our prisoners who have who have passed away, and today is going to be extra special because, you know they're free now, and this is this is about freedom. So, um, we want. I'm going to introduce the rest of the show to you guys. We've got some amazing guests. The first one is Amy Pova, who spent 16 years in prison. She lost her pre, pre she lost her prison because her freedom because of a drug crime, a nonviolent drug crime, and. You know, she fought it and fought it and got out and fought it and fought it for everybody else. And she was granted clemency by by the president. And so now she fights for other prisoners to be granted um, clemency by the president. Um, and she does a really huge, amazing job. And she spends a lot of time out in D.C. just literally fighting in the front lines for all of our rights. And she's launched a, a program called The Guardian Angel. And I'm I'm a participant in this program. Mindy's a participant in the program. We're trying to get Miggy to be a participant and everybody else who wants to help a prisoner to participate. So um, please stay tuned. She's going to be our first guest. After we talk to Amy, um, the hero, beautiful Amy Povo, we're going to talk to another hero, 
beautiful soul, uh, Craig Cecil, who is serving his 13th year of his life sentence for cannabis in prison. He's risking going on lockdown to call into our show, as he does every week, just to get his voice heard. So you don't want to miss what he has, what he thinks about the 4th of July. Um, we're also, after that, hopefully, I don't know if we're going to talk to George Monterano. He usually calls in at 945, but Eugene always, you know, calls them and tells them what time to call, and Eugene is sick in the hospital. So um, we don't know if we'll talk about uh, talk to George. However, this morning is going at 10 o'clock, we're going to talk to Amber Taylor. And Amber Taylor's father was sentenced to 29 years in a state prison for a joint. Okay, this man is, has um, cancer in his brain, and he's not being given his proper meds. He saw, he saw a specialist, and they're not giving his medicine. So this morning, in fact, we're in the, I'm in the process right now of launching a image out that's going to have some phone numbers that we're going to ask everybody to call and we're launching the image this morning, and we're hoping, you know, tomorrow's the 4th of July. Let's call the prison and demand that um, that her father gets hit the medical treatment that he deserves. Um, also, after that, we're going to talk to Jeff Eichen, who just launched, uh, who's trying to launch a movie called The Lifers. And he's going to bring on two amazing guests um, that he's going to bring on um, – hold on, I've got this – Mickey Morris and Chris Conrad, who are from – California, and they're big fighters for, for the plant, and we're going to find out um, a little bit about a book that they just recently wrote. But first, we're going to bring on the other host of the show, uh, Mindy Griffith. You guys just talked to her. Mindy, good morning, Mindy. Good morning, Kristen. I know I talked a lot, but we had to talk about Eugene, and we had to talk about about Bill Amorte. Um, we've got Amy Pova on the line, who's our first amazing guest I just told you guys about, so we're going to bring her on as well. Um, good morning, Amy. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. And, um, oh, my goodness, um, our, my heart is heavy when I, when I heard about Eugene. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm in the habit of lighting a candle and offering a candle up and praying over a candle because as long as it's burning, um, it draws my attention, and I'm reminded that that candle is... Um, in honor of Eugene and his health and bringing him back to health. So um, I just encourage other people to, I do believe in the power of prayer. I really do. So um, thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you, Eugene. Eugene Eugene is, when he comes out of this, he's going to be, he's going to be upset that he missed you. He he loves having you on our show so much. (laughs) Well, I'll come back. (laughs) Cool. 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 So, Amy, you you are the founder of CanDo um, because of some amazing reasons that you went through yourself, mm-hmm. and your group um, has just got this amazing program that's going on. The Guardian Angel Pro- is it Guardian Angel Project or what? Program. what tell us about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, before I before I go into that, just real briefly, um, very quickly, I just want to say I served nine years on a twenty four year sentence. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, and. Um, I don't know how people do it who who have done 15, 20, because I was really at my limit, and I went all in for clemency and knew that that was my only hope. And uh, I am a pit bull, there's no doubt, and um, I just was very fortunate that I received clemency and I made a promise to the women on the compound when I walked out of there and there. I'll never forget <clears throat> 
their eyes and everybody looking at me and I said, you know, I'm going to keep fighting for you um, because, you know, you bond with people, your friends. Anyway, excuse me. <clears throat> so I've tried to keep that promise and I started the Can Do Foundation almost. You're um, the best. No, hold on. I just want to interrupt you, Amy. You, mm-hmm. you, I swear, you're like the bestest friend anybody can ever have. Because not only <laughs> you just keep it a promise, you like to fight for their whole, their whole future of their lives. Well, I I know what it was like. Uh, I feel things very very deeply, and I'm not I, I I'm not casting any kind of judgment, but you know everybody just went on with their lives, and that's you know you have to. That's not it, right. That's you life. But you leave your people behind, like you and Eugene. Like you guys, I see the same things in both of you guys because you guys both got out and have friends that are still there, and like mm-hmm. Eugene, he he talks about his friends every single day and what he's going to do to free him and how, how we're going to help. And it's a passion, you know, you're, yeah. it means a lot. Right. And, um, yeah, I, I, I can't stop thinking about what it was like when I was in there. And, um, so anyway, um, so the, the problem though is that I'm spread so thin and I now email about a hundred people and uh, we're, I have a counter up. Um, I don't know, but there's a website that people can go to if they ever want to create their own uh, countdown to something, even if it's an anniversary or whatever. But I have President Obama's last day, and I'm looking at it right now. We have 28 weeks, 5 days, 0 hours, 12 minutes, and 9 seconds. Um, and when you think about 28 weeks, that's nothing. Um, this is going to... This window of opportunity is rapidly closing, and so the pressure that comes with that understanding is immense. And um, the trigger, you know, there's always a trigger that that makes you think of something that that is the motivation for an idea. And I was on a radiothon um, recently. Craig Cecil was on it, and I got a couple of other prisoners on it, and it was so... um, um, popular that <laughs> there was hardly any time, you know, because so many people wanted to be on it. But um, Judge Bennett was on it, and Nikichi Taifa, who's an um, is the reason why I went to the White House and I was put on that planning committee. And Mark Osler is a big name in the whole clemency movement. He has the clemency clinics. They did the radiothon, and. Judge Bennett came on, who's a very good friend with Mark Osler, and there's such a thing called uh, synchronicity. Um, one of the women that I help, her name is Larry, Lori Cavitz, and she's, she never emails me. She never asks for anything. I tend to focus on the squeaky wheel because uh, when I open my core links, I'm, I'm engaged with the people who email me. After the radiothon, um, and I, I, I remember Judge Bennett being on the um, being on the show. He's an activist now, and even though he's you know he's a judge and he's sentenced to a lot of people, he speaks out about this. And I open my email, and there's an email from Lori Cavett, um, who I, again I, I never hear from her hardly. And she said, "Do you think that we could contact my judge and ask him for a support letter?" And her judge was Judge Bennett. <laughs> and oh, uh, you know I. Wow. I know. And I was like, oh, my gosh, of course. And I remember her sentencing judge, but I had forgotten his name because I have the statements he made when he sentenced her. They're up on the profile page. 
And he went on and on and on. Uh, most judges just say like one or two sentences. My hands are tied or I don't, I don't agree with this sentence. But he went on and on. So I felt, I almost felt like I'd kind of let her down and like I'm letting other people down because I'm spread so thin and I can't focus on everybody like they need uh, kind of a one-on-one um, where somebody is able to 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 um, provide them with the tools they need to make sure they're out by the time Obama leaves office. And so um, I asked Mark Osler, I communicate with him quite a bit, if he would um, send the email to Judge Bennett because they're very close friends. And he responded immediately, like within three minutes, and sent, he said, yeah, he goes, I'd be surprised if he hasn't already because as you know, or you maybe maybe don't know, they're supposed to ask the judge and the prosecutor, the Office of the Pardon Attorney, um, for their opinion. Um, but they're backlogged, and we really don't know where people are in the process of this clemency push. So he, I sent him the information. He sent it to Judge Bennett. Judge Bennett responded immediately and said that, um, he would clear his calendar. He even had something, a family event on a Saturday. This was a Friday. And he said, then we're leaving on vacation for a month. And he said, if I don't do this now, I won't be able to do it until after the end of July. He goes, send her executive summary, and I will, I will do this on Saturday. This was a Friday. So I looped in Lori's attorney, and he wrote the most amazing, he begged he begged the uh, office of the pardon attorney um, to um, actually, um, his name is Cuppers. Uh, he didn't uh, address it to Zosmir because Cuppers is the deputy um, pardon attorney. And he he just went into detail and and just, I mean, it, I've never read a letter this uh, poignant. And so wow. that was my is trigger. This a federal, is he a federal judge? Yes. Yes. Whoa. And, and he oh, got, I am impressed. Yeah, he 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 wrote a book with um, Mark Osler because he's very vocal, and he also has said that it, it has just been a horrible burden on him to um, to file these clemency. I mean, excuse me, um, to um, sentence people, and that's why for these um, clemency petitions and everything like that, he's he, he also believes that this is an opportunity that um, if we don't get them out through this, um, it's just a big unknown who the next president is going to be. So many people don't realize when you're living history, everybody who went to Woodstock probably didn't, they just were going to a concert and they were having a wonderful time. But that was a very important historic moment. No president has been um, focused on clemency, not, not in my lifetime. And, and a big clemency push. Uh, criminal justice reform looks like it's going to fizzle out. So I encourage people to really understand the magnitude of this moment because in the wink of an eye, it's going to be over, and then you'll have plenty of opportunity to wonder, well, wow, I wished I had done more or I wished I had gotten involved. And it dawned on me after the situation with Lori that I needed a legion of angels so I could have people pair them with somebody 
because I'm at the point I can't even read all my emails. I, I'm I'm becoming um, uh, I'm, I'm I'm to the point where I'm I I'm not even functional hardly um, because I have so many people who are contacting me. They want help. I'm overwhelmed. I stay up till two, sometimes three o'clock in the morning, and it's just I'm breaking down. The uh, response, including from you, Kristen, and Mindy, and um, Mike Harris, and um, so many people, um, I just put a post up and said, you know, uh, would anyone like to participate in the Guardian Angel program? We're going to pair a person to one, no more than three, um, but mostly one or two applicants so that you will email them. We're making this very simple, so there's a list of questions. We're going to identify who their judge is, and we have two attorneys that are working with us who um, are, have a great skill set who will reach out to the judge if the applicant wants that because what happened with Lori should be happening with everyone. We should be finding out whether the judge um, will write a letter, if they have written a letter, do they support their clemency, and so we want we, we're, we're very organized. I have a supervisor, Enrica Caldwell. Jason Hernandez was the first Latino who got clemency from President Obama. He's the program director. Ramona Brandt received um, clemency from President Obama. Had lunch with him. She's helping. And please know, before Obama leaves office, we are going to be contacting him as clemency recipients and especially the ones who had lunch with him. Shauna Berry Scott is helping. She, she sat on a panel there at the White House. All the people who went to the White House, we're going to raise our voices, and we're going to provide a list of the people we have identified, and we are going to pressure um, that they not be left behind. We, we, I, will, I won't be able to live with myself after the fact if I didn't and we didn't do everything we could to get them out. Right, right. All right. Sounds like a challenge, kind of a little bit too. You know, it's it's that's a lot, and um, we got to give a lot in order to see what we what we want out of it. So, I mean, I I think I'm gonna live up to your expectations, Amy, and I think I'm gonna be able to do it. I think I can do. What do you think, Mindy? Yeah, I think so. I think that the structure and support and all of that is. Um, is exactly what we need. I, I'm looking forward to it. I've reached out to my um, my prisoner, Michael Knight, and started communicating with him about the plans and sent him the list of what, what we're looking to do. And so he's really excited about it. Oh, thank you. You know, it, it sounds more daunting than it is um, because we're all, we're, there's a bunch of us that are going, you know, we can pick up the slack, and we're going to try to engage the family members so that the family, so a lot of family members want to be involved, but they don't know what to do. Um, they feel isolated, and we have brought several family members into the fold, and they're literally thriving. They have change.org petitions for their family member. They're now on Facebook with us. They're all excited. Um, but when you're alone and just um, isolated and you don't even know there's people helping um, you you have a sense of doom and gloom and not knowing what to do. But we're creating structure, and we're trying to make this really very simple and straightforward. Well, Amy, so Amy um, for, our, 
Go ahead, Mindy. Sorry. I was just going to say that uh, Michael Knight's mom had reached out to me like a month ago and asked me, you know, what what change.org was and and things like that. And I sent her examples of good, you know, petitions we've seen that have gone really well. And But still, without the structure or or steps of what to do or what that, or any of those things, it just kind of ended up getting... Drop. Right. Well, and that's what happened. So and I'm pair. I'm working with Change.org. They put all the clemency petitions under the Can Do uh, Movement page. John Perry, and he has a formula. And um, I told the uh, P- Michael may have even asked his mom because I told um, people on our website and on my core links that the formula is that change wants a family member to do the petition in their voice. They see that those are the most successful so that they start off with my daughter, my brother, my son. And it's, it's just there's an emotional cord. And so we also give advice and a template for that. And so, yeah, it's just a matter of making people informed. And before before you move on to the next guest, because I know I just want to say Mickey Norris and Chris Conrad have been on this on the front lines forever. They put me on the cover <laughs> of a book, Shattered Lives, and they were doing this work when nobody, <laughs> nobody, it was just sort of alone. Nobody was really um, interested in prisoners. Uh, Nora Callahan, Mickey Norris, Chris Conrad. So I am so excited that they're going to be on the show. <laughs> I love them. They're like family to me. They were there when I got out of prison. Uh, the very, you know, that evening we had a celebration because they're in San Francisco, and I'm excited about <laughs> Jeff Eichen's film. So you guys have a wonderful show coming up, and Chris. Amy, uh, I've been I'm, working with Jeff. I've been working with Jeff on his film. We've been asking people on the streets. We've been just walking, you know, asking, hey, people at events and stuff. What do you think about this man right here serving, you know, 32 years in prison for cannabis or We've been yeah. in Mindy as well. We've all been working together um, on, oh, about it, and uh-huh. yeah, I've been working with Jeff. And um, I, I just want to say something about um, about Mickey too as well. When when I met them in uh, Montana, with my dad had this thing going, this event going on, and I met them in an event. And then I also met them on the cannabis with Stacy Tice. The cannabis drove through <laughs> yeah. and. We stopped the yeah. evening at their house, and they wrote about my dad in their magazine um, right after my dad died. So I, I, I don't really know them very well, but I know they're great people. And they're But, amazing. Amy, before we go, mm-hmm. Craig is our next guest, so we're going to keep you on um, until he starts to call in. And then, But mm-hmm. what I want to know is for our listeners, if, if they're just really intrigued and say, how do I become a guardian angel, what can I do, how can they get in touch with you or with to your website or how, you know, if it's, yeah, Somebody out there, a stranger, do, just might want to help. Right. Um, yeah, and, and we need to know. Uh, I have was shocked that two attorneys contacted me and, because um, you know, we need people uh, you know, with those certain skills um, to do something different, which they're going to contact judges. And um, also uh, one of them has a lot of U.S. attorneys that work at his law firm. So, we're probably going to ask him um, to reach out to prosecutors um, if and when that's appropriate. So if people want to help out, um, we 
please go to canduclemency.com. There's a contact button, um, and you can send me an email. My phone number is on there, but um, it would be better if you just send me an email. And um, we have 40 angels right now that we have paired. Wow, we do really 40. Yeah, we have 40. We actually have, uh, I think, 42. Uh, and that, that's not counting um, Jason or Ramona and Enrica. So we've, how we, and, we... How many prisoners are there? Well, right now we're pairing them with about uh, 60. I think I have, I, li- I have 30. That's not right. It's 55 right now. We have 55 people that 40 angels have covered but what i need additional help with is that i have been contacted by so many people who are waiting in the pipeline they don't have a profile page i'm telling them i'm sorry right now i can't um i I don't have the resources to be able to create your profile page but if you'll just hang on we'll get to you as soon as possible so i could definitely use some help with people who would be willing to just answer and get the, those people a uh, list of questions which are different and coordinate getting their photograph so we can get them on the website. So there's plenty to do. All right, listeners, <laughs> this is a challenge. It, you know, Amy needs our help. If anybody wants to help, you know, contact her. Um, Amy, her send, me a list of, send me a list of who needs a profile, and I, I might have some of that already <laughs> in my computer. Oh, okay. Yes, that that would be that would be helpful if somebody could just focus on that. And um, and, and I have plenty in there. Uh, great, wonderful cases. Now, just so your listeners know, we focus on all drugs. Um, we have a lot of the um, cannabis prisoners and and lifers up, but we we don't distinguish. And um, if people Can really understood I- how case. Excuse, can somebody say, hey, this is the prisoner that I want to do it for? Yes, yeah. Um, right now, nearly everybody on our website is paired, although there are a few that we're – that we do have a few that I could shoot to them that could use a little bit more one-on-one um, and take the burden off of an angel that's covering three. But, um, okay. Yeah. I can, um, but but for the ones who don't have a profile page up, it's hard to send them something. I could send them their, their just their basic information because we don't have that up yet. And I heard uh, you sent me a message um, on the back end of Facebook the other day saying that um, uh, Mike Harris, who's just a huge advocate for Craig Cecil, who's going to be calling in in a few minutes, mm-hmm. um, was paired up. So I think that was so cool because. Mike always calls into our show to advocate for him, and he knows his whole story. And that's a beautiful pair right there. I love it. Yeah, I had Craig with someone else, and then I found out that Mike knew his case and wanted to work with him, and Craig wanted that also. So I love well, it when you guys, that happens. Craig, Craig is calling in right now. If you guys just want to hold on, I'm going to pull him on. Amy, while uh, Kristen's doing that, I just want to tell you that listening mm-hmm. to this and then reading the documents on the Facebook page for the angels and everything, all this, um, all the tools you're giving us makes me feel like I'm going to be successful and I'm ready for some success in this side of our drug war. So I really truth? appreciate, I appreciate all the, every, I mean, I'm really excited about this. 
Good. I know it well, doesn't we, sound like it because I'm still feeling a little today. low this morning, but I am really well, excited. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be We're good. You guys, we've got Craig on the phone. We're sitting here. Um, first of all, I want to tell you just a couple things. Um, tomorrow's the 4th of July, so we're, we kind of want to know what the 4th of July means to you. Um, we've also got Eugene Fisher, who is not on the show today. Mindy is guest hosting for him because he is in intensive care, and he's not doing very good right now at all. So we, um, so that's. I just want to tell you about that. And then we also have Amy Pova on the show right now talking about the Guardian Angel program. And we found out that Mike Harris is going to be your guardian angel, and, like, we're all excited about the program. And how are you, and um, how's your life going right now? <laughs> it's Hi, Craig. here in Indiana. But, yeah, here's Amy. Oh. Hi, Amy. Hi. And it's raining here in Indiana. Oh, <laughs> And let's see. Um, actually, the, the mood is a little depressed here in the last few days because – the prison news agencies, I'll call them, the people that kind of distribute um, updates as to changes in the law and things like that, they've all emailed in the last few days uh, newsletters that say that the bills before Congress that may, mm -hmm. you know, serve to alleviate some of the uh, lengths of sentences for people already sentenced and, you know, to provide some other kind of federal sentencing relief. It seems like the news agencies are all opining that that they're dead for this year. The, so the the inmate population is kind of bummed out, you know, that the it doesn't look like this year would be a good, you know, is um, the, the prospects are real good for getting some relief passed. But there is still a bunch of promises from the White House, especially as it relates to uh, the drug lifers like me that there there may be a flood of relief coming, so I'm sure hopeful. Yeah. Well, I the just Guardian Angel I, program, he's got. Go ahead. Yeah, can I just like real quick, and then I'm gonna I go, uh, Craig. The very sad thing is that, as you probably know, Senator Cotton uh, from Arkansas is one of the major opposers, and it's almost like they made him the. Uh, uh, the, the spoke hole for opposing it. And I wrote uh, a letter that's supposed to come out in The Hill. Um, uh, the Hill uh, was supposed to do it a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, something was more important. Um, because I'm from Arkansas, and my parents voted for him, they're Republicans, and so I, uh, I know it's probably too late now, but uh, when I went to D.C. and they had to speak on Capitol Hill, I met, we met with Tom Cotton's people, and um, I'm disgusted because they know the truth. This is just, it's just trying to oppose and uh, um, push back um, what Obama wants. Um, so he won't have that part of his legacy, and it's sad. But um, I'm still going to be contacting Cotton's office again on that note, and then I'm going to let you take it from there, and um, all we can do is keep fighting. Yay. That's, that's exactly it, because we've gotten more press and more press over the last year, and more people actually looking at federal sentencing to say, you know, why are we putting people to, uh, away for life for marijuana? Why are, you know, uh, so many federal prisoners, you know, locked away for so long for what most people would consider such little offenses? Or 
at least under the state sentencing regimes, they would be two or three year sentences and in the federal uh, prosecutions are 20, 30 and, you know, uh, 20 and 30 year sentences and even more as in my case. So I, I think we're, your guys' goal of getting public attention out there certainly has worked. I, I've seen just about every publication writing about mass incarceration and and the need for uh, criminal justice reform. So from your guys' end, your mission has been accomplished. More, you know, instead of just being a few hundred people aware of this, now there's many, many thousands, uh, if not millions. And, and so thank you for achieving your goals and, you know, bringing public awareness to it. All right. Well, um, you guys, that uh, Amy, um, do you did you want to say anything else or no? She was going to let Craig just just take it from here, and um, okay. I I I agree. We have to keep the media on it. And Craig, you're right. It has literally opened lots of eyes. Most people don't even know, and they still don't know about the conspiracy law. So we're working on that too. But. Um, Anyway, thank you, and we're the Legion of Angels are working overtime, and we're growing. <laughs> Thanks to Kristen and her radio the Legion program. Legion of Angels. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll talk right. to y'all later. Bye bye. Okay, thank you, Amy. So, well, you're Craig, all my angels. <laughs> uh, so, Craig, Fourth um, of July tomorrow. Do you have anything special planned? Well, they they generally feed us a little better. Tomorrow the promise is for a hamburger and two hot dogs, which is about three times what we usually get for a meal. And I think there's some corn on the cob and some other fixings to go with it. So we're at least planning on what to us would be a great meal, or at least comparatively a great meal. And uh, otherwise, there's just been a bunch of softball and, you know, different kinds of athletic events out on the recreation yard, you know, to celebrate the holiday uh, weekend. But can in, in terms guys, of the ex- pardon? So can you guys hear on the 4th of July, can you guys hear like the neighborhood or see any fireworks from there? No, from here we can't. Um, and we're, I think we're kind of attached to the city of Terre Haute, but, uh, wherever the fireworks are around here, we can't see them from here. <laughs> can you hear that? Can you hear them? Uh, I haven't. I've only been here one year, but I didn't last year, and I was watching for them. In some other institutions, you can see them, you know, off in the distance, so I did look for them, but I definitely couldn't see them, at least from my vantage point here. So, what do you personally think about 4th of July and the whole country celebrating freedom, but you don't have freedom? I mean, I have talked about that. You know, Eugene, he's not here, but, you know, he doesn't particularly, you know, love the 4th of July for that reason. And Bill Amorty died in prison on the 4th of July um, on his 20th year for his cannabis sentence. You know, I don't personally like, you know, celebrate it for that reason. I like the fireworks. But, I mean, what do you, what do you feel about it, being a prisoner, serving a life sentence? Well, it's especially hard is the uh... – Declaration of Independence was born on the 4th of July. And if you actually sit and read that, you know, as compared to, because the Declaration of Independence actually, of course, took effect on July 4th, 1776. And they say that it was superseded by the Constitution then 
what, about 18 years or 17 years later. But uh, it's sad that, you know, many of the uh, the bedrock rules of our uh, Declaration of Independence, why all those uh, brave people in America stood up and fought the English so that we could be independent from the king and from the rules, that many of those uh, freedoms that they sought and that they had originally have been eroded over the years. Our justice system really has kind of faded away from justice, and there's no longer any any oversight of it. We hear about people, you know, left and right in the news, you hear that DNA has, you know, enabled scores of people to walk off a death row, to walk out from under all these terrible sentences. And like I say, some of them death sentences. And yet nobody screams to say, you know, hey, all these people getting out of prison that should have never been in prison, that should tell us that there's something wrong. This call is from a federal prison. That there is something wrong with our justice system that needs to be fixed. We have to look at, you know, what is required to actually prove somebody guilty. Or more importantly, what is required of defense attorneys to make sure that a prisoner or a defendant's uh, legal rights are actually protected. Too often they're not. Too often defense attorneys are underpaid, overworked, you know, attorneys, and they really can't provide any sort of vigorous defense, you know, even when a defense is available. And the the system really, really dissuades, uh, especially in federal prosecutions, should you go to trial and be convicted, your sentence will be oftentimes two or three times what your sentence would be if you pleaded guilty. So by doing that, they they actually force both attorneys and uh, defendants oftentimes to plead guilty to charges that they really couldn't prove or charges that were way beyond what the person actually did. I, I just looked at uh, a case this morning of a guy who actually did plead guilty for between 100 and 400 grams of heroin. They sentenced him for 6,000 <laughs> grams of heroin. I think it was like another 6,000 grams of crack and a bunch of other drugs. And these were never even charged. These were never even considered by him or, or you know, the system. But sure enough, here he sits doing over 30 years in prison for a crime that, you know, he never even had the chance to go to trial on because he was never actually accused of that. He was, he, and that, that's an anomaly of our federal sentencing is so often people are convicted of minor crimes and through the series of enhancements they give people, uh, they end up with huge sentences, although they, you know, might have pleaded guilty to a crime that only carries, you know, two or three or five years in prison. And really, that's only allowed in the federal prosecutions, and I mean, that is problematic. That That is something that really should be cured, as in my case. My case, had they went by the sentencing guidelines, I had actually only faced 41 months in prison. I would have been home 10 years ago. But, you know, nevertheless, they piled on enhancements for for things you couldn't even imagine just because they wanted to. <laughs> That needs to be well, fixed. Definitely, definitely, definitely. <sighs> well, um, today it's me and Mindy because Eugene is in intensive care. Um, if you haven't gotten any messages from him, that's probably why he fell last week. Um, 
in his house and then his he went to the hospital and he was having surgery because he had hurt his nose and then we heard that he wasn't doing too great so we've been missing him this morning a lot and it's been kind of a hard show for Mindy and I to get through so far yes I mean Gene is so inspirational you know after all those years in prison and he and he still uh, remembers those of us that you know are still in the prison and you know, and he spent so much time supporting us, and you know, and working with uh, you and Mindy and and so many others to help us. And you know, really, Gene is an inspiration to the system. He kept fighting his life sentence for 25 years, and finally, finally prevailed. So no, he's a hero no. among prisoners. And you know what, Craig? Um, what's been like so so inspiring to me is that a lot of the friends that he was in prison with and knew for years and years are getting out. And he's ha- he's been able to talk to them on the outside face-to-face. And, you know, it's just, it's been just, like, really, really cool working with him and watching him accomplish and seeing freedom for his friends, too. Like, that's huge. Yes, yes. I, I heard him reminisce uh, with Randy Lanier after <laughs> he and Randy spending – 25 or over 25 years in prison and being able to walk on the beach that's that's a vision yeah. that I <laughs> yeah yeah and george Monterado, who spent 33 years in prison i mean that's his bestest friend and like they got to see each other too yes yes but like well, i said okay, you know, the, the more and more go ahead Mindy. I was just going to say, Craig, I think that this plan that Amy's got going on for the angels and this very well-structured system is going to help people like you also get on the beach with your friends and family. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. And as you know, I um, I can only speak of uh, Mike Harris in the most glowing terms. <laughs> I learned more about my case, my lawyer, and my co-defendants from Mike than I did actually going through the proceedings. I mean, his, well, little his research is, abilities is I, are stuff. When I heard about it, I told Amy, you got to get a hold of Mike for Craig. He's the one for Craig. <laughs> uh, he's great. Well, the phone's going to hang up in a few minutes. Uh, I hope you guys have a good holiday. I hope it's sunny, and uh, and I hope you have the barbecue nice and hot, because I hope somebody's enjoying the Fourth of July in the way they would prefer. <laughs> well, I'm just on the fourth tomorrow. I'm just going to be thinking about all you guys and all you guys who are sacrificing your freedom, and I'm going to be honoring you guys. That's what I'm telling Fourth of July, celebrating Fourth of July for is to is to honor our POWs. Thank you, Craig, for your for your for your time served so far. Oh, he's gone, Craig Cecil. Y'all, you guys, 13th year of his life sentence for cannabis. Um, we're talking about clemency, and we're talking about being guardian angels. But what's really going on is the president has granted about five or six of our plant prisoners freedom over the last few months or so. And Craig has an application, and we've gathered hundreds of letters um, up here in Washington, uh, Oregon. I know um, our group specifically has gathered a lot, and then there's um, the Sherry Sicard, she's gathered quite a bit of letters for in her group down there, the, the Lifers Project. They've they've gathered tons of letters, and all over the nation, letters have been gathered um, in order to even in Michigan, they got letters for Craig in order to 
beg the president and the pardons attorney to free him. So um, that's that's what this program is all about is is getting the prisoners the help and the attention and put focus what they deserve on. So it's nine forty seven now. Um, we have a guest on the line. Um, he we've okay at ten o'clock. We've got Amber Taylor coming on, and we're launching this this image. In fact, I just launched it on my Facebook page, on the Voices of the War page. So if anybody listening can go on there and immediately just start sharing the crap out of the image. Um, it's regarding Amber Taylor's dad. We're going to talk more about the details of it coming up. But at, at 1010, again, we've got Je- Jeff Eichen coming on with the Lifers Project, and he's bringing his two special, extra special guests, Mickey Norris and her and um Hmm. You guys, I'm losing my place here. But like I said, it's a tough show without Eugene, um, but we know he'd want us to get through it. (sighs) But we've got an extra special guest on the line, and his name is Dr. David Allen. Um, Dr. David Allen is a heart surgeon. So we're going to bring him on while we wait for Amber Taylor to come on, and we're going to find out what's going on in his life. He's not just a heart, was a heart surgeon, but... The government got mad at him for prescribing the plant, and they took him to prison. And he went to trial. I just found that out. And he's a free man now. So um, we're going to talk to Dr. David Allen. They're trying to take his license away from him and um, find out how he's doing um, this morning. Good morning, Dr. Allen. Good morning. Can you hear me? in the hospital. Yeah, yeah I hear well, what's how how bad is yeah. he? What's going on? Well, um, we we've heard that he have he's having some renal renal failure, and he has he's he already had needs a kidney transplant, and he hasn't got the transplant yet. But he fell and he had broke his nose and had to have surgery on it, and then oh yeah, he's today they transferred him to ICU. So we're just miss our friend yeah. and want him want him better soon. I did a lot of dialysis work, so I understand that that problem that he's having. Well, there's a couple of things I would like to talk about. One uh, is about the medical board, and one another thing is about a, a cannabis death uh, caused by police in Mississippi that's that's never been reported. Um, the first issue about the medical board. The medical board is uh, a tool that's used to suppress the science of the endocannabinoid signaling system, and they uh, investigate. And these new laws actually make them prioritize to invest investigate doctors that are accused of committing cannabis crimes, of oh overprescribing, of overprescribing, and there's no there's no definition of what overprescribing is. And so the medical board is, is going after doctors. And in my case, they had a uh, a person testify against me that was uh, supposedly bipolar. And his brother uh, worked for the Department of uh, Consumer Affairs, which is over the medical board. And so, and so the brother was who worked for the Consumer Affairs actually was the one that filed the, the complaint against me. Well, surprisingly, Dr. Molly Fry had the same exact situation where a, a, a uh, schizophrenic person 
whose brother worked at the Department of Consumer Affairs, testify against her. Now, the medical board, when we went to administrative court, both of our cases were sealed so that if you try to get this information, they redact the names of the people that testified. And I suspect that that this is a conspiracy, that this is a conspiracy that it's impossible for the same scenario to happen to two doctors without this being a organized thing to attack license. And the reason they're doing this is because I if bet you use right, cannabis Dr. For, Allen. I bet you're right. If you if you use cannabis for twenty years or more, the incidence of diabetes is is sixty six percent less. So that means that cannabis basically cures diabetes and a bunch of other medical problems. And the medical board does not want this new science from uh, attacking the financial structure of the current medical society. So this is going to change medicine in ways that, that we don't even understand yet. And the medical board is attacking doctors. And so I go to court in November. I, I need to get a lawyer that is willing to take the medical board to federal court to, to stop their use of administrative courts uh, from attacking doctors. Now, really, uh, the war on drugs, the war on cannabis is changing. And the reason it's changing is because of jury nullification. And so all across, across the country... What is happening is one guy on the jury will say not guilty uh, for a cannabis crime because it's it's a this law is a bad law and so we have the right to, to by jury nullification to turn down cases that they try to prosecute because it's wrong to try to prosecute for somebody for growing a flower that helps me- medically. So the business plan of the prohibition is failing because of jury nullification. And so what we're seeing is this whole business plan is morphing, and that's what AUMA is all about. What they're trying to do is juries are, are ruining the business plan of the prohibitionists. So what they got to do is they got to remove the juries from the situation. So what they're going to do now in the future, instead of going to jury trial, you're going to go to an administrative court, just just like the medical board. An administrative court means you 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 go to a judge, not a jury, mm. and the judge decides your fate. Now the medical board pays wow. 1.2 million dollars every quarter to the office of administrative courts. So, in effect, the medical board pays the salary of the judges that judge in the administrative court, and you're denied a jury, and you're, you're forced into a kangaroo court that never rules against the medical board. So this is a RICO violation. This is racketeering influence corrupt organization. The medical board and its investigators are committing RICO crimes against doctors. And so one other thing, 
my probation, uh, they put me on probation, and, and it's impossible to cooperate with probation because the way they have it set up. And so if a patient was to come to me, first off, I would have to work under another doctor, so I would have to get, say, Dr. Badgley or somebody to, to work under and then the patients would come to me, and then by this probation, I would be forced to call their physician and their psychiatrist to get their approval of of their patient's use of cannabis under my care. So I'm the specialist expert in cannabis, but I'm supposed to call the non-specialist, the medical doctor who doesn't know anything about it, and the psychiatrist, and if these two doctors agree then they're agreeing for their patient to use medical cannabis, and it actually puts them on a higher risk level. So these doctors are going to refuse to let cannabis doctors approve uh, their use of cannabis because it's going to put them at a higher risk. The medical board, by law, has to investigate doctors uh, accused of cannabis crimes as a priority over all other medical issues. So this makes the medical board a marijuana-only drug enforcement agency. And so I want somebody that can take the medical board to federal court and sue them for restraints of this science by attacking doctors. And so, you know, so my case, the the judge heard my side, heard the prosecution side, and she's supposed to, to rule on my case based on what she hears in the courtroom. But surprisingly, after she adjudicates that I was guilty of not doing a good faith exam, and there's no definition of what a good faith exam is, um, she uh, makes these rules that I have to call the the physician's doctor and their psychiatrist, which are the same requirements that are coming out on this new uh, marijuana laws by the by Governor Jerry Brown, the MRSA laws. So I'm saying that since my case happened before this Jerry Brown MRSA stuff came out that since her opinion, her, her ruling almost mirrors exactly what MRSA is, I'm saying that my judge had outside influence on making her judgment and making her uh, probation to comply with these new rules that weren't even out then when she, when she made her decision. Hmm. Now, the second Are thing that I would like to... Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. The second thing that I oh, would like ahead. to talk about is a death of a prisoner in Mississippi at the prison that I was previously housed in. And Uh-oh. this guy named w- William Joel Dixon, who was a 28-year-old man, was apparently driving his car with his two children in the car, and he was stopped in George County and they charged him with two cha- uh, two charges of child endangerment, so they took his kids away from him. They charged him with DUI other than alcohol. We don't know what the substance was. And then they charged him with possession 
of a control substance. I, in my heart, I know this has something to do with marijuana. I can't prove that yet, but I know. And so what happens is this. They brought him in, and apparently he's a really bad diabetic. And they, and they, they whenever you're in prison, they, they have the medical nurse come in and, and evaluate you for what kind of medical issues you have. So this nurse, Carmen uh, Brannon, who used to torture me uh, and deny medical care to me and other other uh, inmates, she put this guy in in um, solitary confinement. We don't know why, but he was in solitary confinement for five days. Now the business plan of the of the the uh, prison is. The nurse triages the patients. If they need medical care, she either gives or denies the medical care. If she gives too much medical care, she costs the the company money. And so really her job is to limit or deny medical care. And if you have a lot of complicated medical care issues, what happens is there's two places they can put you in the prison. They can put you on the floor with... Uh, 24 people in, in in each zone, a lot of witnesses, or they can put you in solitary where there's no witnesses. So as a routine, their business plan was if you came in with a medical issue, they put you in the hole so there's no witnesses. And, and somebody died right before I was put in prison, and so I was kind of alerted to this. And when I was in prison, I started documenting. I have a journal of every time she denied medical care. And so I've been trying to get a hold of this family for for uh, William Joel Dixon uh, since I learned about this almost three months ago. And it's hidden on the Internet. And I've tried to call uh, the mortuary. Uh, I got a hold of... Uh, this pastor that apparently buried him, and nobody is talking. Nobody will find. Uh, it's it's almost impossible to find this family because this Carmen uh, Sue Brannon, the nurse, is charged with. She's being charged with a misdemeanor uh, manslaughter charge. I don't even know what that means, and and it's because she said they said it was done without malice. And so I need to get a hold of the family because I think I can prove that the business plan is malice to uh, inmates in that in that community. And so if anybody could help me find out, find the family of William Joel Dixon, I think we can solve a cannabis murder by police. Okay. Um, you hear that, listeners? William Joel Dixon. Um, where was that again? That, that, um, what, that was in George the, County, Miss, George County, Mississippi. He died in September 2014. Okay, I'm looking at an article right now about it. Yeah, I took. So notes, I think um, I think this man is a. I think he's a victim of the, of the cannabis war. I've taken notes of everything you have said. I've just been sitting here typing the whole time you were talking. So, um, 
you brought pain to my heart because what you say about how these nurses are expected to take you in and, um, you know, everything you talked about, the business plan and how they have to, how they'll put you in solitary confinement so they don't have witnesses. You know, I just, yeah. like I said, I went through that with my dad and I have well, on tape she... one of the federal nurses testifying in my dad's case and they're really cold, right. cold blooded freaks right. is what they are. The, 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 right. the, even the, Doctors in my dad's care, I have their testimony on CD that I want you to watch. You, you would be amazed at what I'd the doctor said. That, yeah. I need to get them to you. Well, I need to get copies it's of even more complex than this. You know, when I first got there, this lady was immediately mean to me without me even knowing her. And I didn't understand why. <laughs> yeah. And I found out later yep. that she's the sister of uh, Sheriff Mike Bird's wife. So what happened was, see, Mike Bird was the sheriff in Pascagoula, and he sent his sister up to George County uh, Jail. And so all the inmates that come into the into that jail, the sheriff would know about. So it's it's kind of like she was a little spying for the sheriff in in Pascagoula. And that and that's why wow. she was mean to me immediately because she she was relative to Mike Bird who was trying to put me in prison for thirty five years. Well, well, Doctor Allen, we have our next guest who has not quite called in yet. We've got two guests coming on, one scheduled at ten and one scheduled at ten ten. Neither one of them are on. I just want to let you know when they do get on, and we're going to have to move move on. But what I want to say before they do get on. Is you were talking about jury nullification, and that is how we have. That's basically the only tool that we have. Um, but I just want to tell people listening, you know, um, Dr. Allen talked about the conspiracy behind everything and how they don't want it to go to a trial. But once it gets to a trial, you know, you're you're depending on a juror to make that decision. And one thing that they do to try to help influence the juror into making the guilty verdict is they buy them lunch. They seem very intimidating. They're official. They don't let them talk to the outside world. They don't let them go home and Google what's really going on. What's really going on, the jurors are only allowed to know what they want them to know. So, you know, it's very intimidating that they try to force convictions by, you know, they get scared, basically, and feel like maybe they can get in trouble for saying not guilty. But if you are listening, do not take the bait. If you're ever called jury duty, do not take the bait. That free lunch and that intimidation that they use, you know, jury, stupid jury instructions. Oh my gosh, I just want to throw up every time I hear a judge read their instructions. But don't, don't take the bait. Don't believe the hype. Just say not guilty. If somebody didn't hurt nobody, you shouldn't go to jail. Not just on cannabis crimes, all crimes. If you don't feel like somebody should go to jail, and by the time it hits trial, they're facing life basically in all kinds of years, 40 years, 20 years. Too long, too many, too long. So just, just vote not guilty if you think something's wrong. It don't, don't please take the government trap. But I just wanted to add that to what you had to say, Doctor Allen, because it's very what you say about nullification got whole other aspect to, to the level. Yeah, jury nullification saved my life from 35 years in prison. So I'm thankful to the people. Uh, it was I had two felonies. It was eleven to one and seven to five, and so I had massive jury nullification. Eleven people voted for cool. for not guilty on me. Cool, cool. And you're free today. How much time were you facing, Doctor Allen? 
35 years. See, that's the thing. That would have been probably a life sentence for you. That would have, you would have probably died in prison. And we have so many people that didn't get jury nullifications that are dying in prison. So, you know, we can end this right now just by just not saying not guilty and refusing to convict. Um, but, yeah. Dr. Allen, I think we've got um, our next guest on the line. So right, I want to well, thank, thank you, you so much me. for calling in. Thank you very much. I hope you have a beautiful Sunday. Thank you for everything you do for the war. Thank you. Bye. All right, you guys, that was Dr. Allen. Um, It doesn't look, it looks like Jeff Eichen is on. Um, We're about to bring him on. And Amber Taylor, she was supposed to call in at 10, so maybe she'll call in after Jeff. But in the meantime, before we throw Jeff on, this is time right now for, 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 um, for Amber's dad. So I'm going to pull up an image that we just launched and read it to everybody um, because it's very, very important that you make phone calls. So we have a plant prisoner. His name is Thomas Landreth. Um, he's inmate number 146687. Um, in January 2016, Thomas was in Oklahoma State Prison serving 29 years for a joint of cannabis. He suffers from a brain tumor and is the and is a victim of prison neglect again. Yes, people, again, they neglected him not too long ago. We gathered a whole bunch of calls and support, and he got what he needed. However, about a month ago, he saw his neur- uh, neurosurgeon who prescribed Thomas five new medications, and the prison that he is at has not given him one single one. And we're asking that we don't allow this to continue, that you call the Oklahoma DOC and tell them to provide Thomas with the medical care he deserves. Um, we did do a show last week, and we had his daughter on for the first part of the show, and you can listen to last, last week's show. Um, there's a link on the image that we just posted up, so you can go, the, go to the image that we posted on our Facebook page, my page. Mindy's got it on her page. But what we're asking is that you uh, make a phone call to the medical chief medical officer, the service administrator, and the administrative specialist. We've got phone numbers right there for all that. We've got a couple pictures of Thomas. Um, we can't let this fallen hero, you know, die in prison like Bill Lamorte did or my dad did or the, any of the other prisoners are doing because we just heard from Dr. Allen what they're going to do to you. You're going to put him in solitary confinement. I believe he might. Mindy, is he in solitary confinement right now? Because isn't that what his daughter said last week? I don't remember. Um, I, I, I can't confirm nor deny that. Okay, well. He's been in solitary I can't, confinement. I, can't I remember at this point. Yes, he has. Well, he's been there. Yes, um, and so that makes me, you know, so what Dr. Allen said is they do that. And put, he, she talked about him being in solitary confinement for his safety, but I can't remember if it was currently or in the past. Wow, Mindy, is there anything else you want to say about Thomas Landreth? You are Mindy's a really big advocate for Thomas. Um, He's got a Facebook page. Uh, yeah, he's a he's just he's a, a genuinely sweet person. Um, I I I uh, I don't even know what to say. I just he doesn't deserve to have this kind of treatment. Nobody does, and he needs his medicine. And I just I'm really hopeful that we're able to get enough calls generated to that prison that we can make a difference. We've done it before. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be open to answer phones during the weekend and during the holiday tomorrow. But we are urging that you try. I, I know they have voicemails. 
In fact, that's what I'm going to do. Definitely leave a message. I I, I would recommend people call tomorrow, leave messages, um, and then um, and then and then call back um, Tuesday and and just double double whammy them. Yeah, that's for sure because they don't want to be answering the phone to us forever. It helped him before. Um, the last flyer that we launched, um, he was what was it? He wasn't getting his K-Pack machine. That was what was that for his breathing, Mindy? Right, his T-Pack. Yeah, and he he wasn't getting it, and so we we flooded him with a whole bunch of phone calls, and then he got it, and now they're doing it again to him. They're just torturing this man in prison, um, and it's not acceptable. So we're just urging everybody to make those phone calls. Um, Mindy, is there anything else you want to say about Thomas before we move up nope, to... Nope, I think we should be... I'm really excited about our next guest. I'm ready for to hear what's going on with Jeff. Okay, well, next guest is Jeff Eichen. For all of our listeners, Jeff Eichen is launching a, a movie called the documentary... It's, it's a documentary called Lifers. Uh, we have been working one-on-one with Jeff. I have personally been helping Jeff do some interviews, and we've got some big plans for the Seattle Hemp Fest coming on. Um, And we had Amy Prova on earlier who was talking about Jeff's two guests he's bringing on with him um, to talk about about a few things. Um, It's Mickey Norris and Chris Conrad. Um, I've actually met them a couple times when I was on the cannabis once. I I stopped, the cannabis stopped by their house, and we spent the evening with them. Um, I met them in Montana, um, something my dad was going to, and they wrote about my dad and when he died in their newspaper. And Amy Pova had some beautiful things to say about these two, and so does Jeff Eichen. And Jeff has been a regular guest on our show um, over the last couple weeks because Jeff is just like us. He wants to be able to get the voices of the cannabis war open and out there to the public so that they can all be freed and go home. So um, we're going to pull Jeff on, and it looks like we got Chris Conrad on. So we're going to pull Jeff on right now, and we're going to put Chris Conrad on as well. Um, good morning, you guys. How are you? And welcome to the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show. Um, you are live with Kristen Floor, Mindy Griffiths. Um, Eugene Fisher is a regular host of the show, but is um, in the hospital in intensive care right now. He served 25 years of a life sentence in cannabis. So. He's not here to say hello, but he is here in spirit, and he would um, he would love to talk to you guys. But it's just Mindy and I this morning, and how are you? Well, good morning, Chris. Chris. Hi, hey, Jeff. Chris. Good morning. Aloha, all good the morning. way from Hawaii. Yeah, they're they're in Hawaii on vacation or doing their work. Wow, so yeah, they're in Hawaii calling in to help to help talk about the drug war and our and our plant prisoners. Well, good morning, guys, and Thank you for com- for calling into our show. We appreciate it. Hey, well, it's great to be here, um, and it's really great to be on the show with Jeff. We've known Jeff for a long time, and, uh, you know, this issue is something that just uh, doesn't seem to go away. Again, this is uh, Chris Conrad, but uh, my wife and I uh, worked on this book. Uh, well, actually, we, we got started on the issue back in 1995 with a project called Human Rights 95 that ultimately became Human Rights in the Drug War. And uh, to try to bring people's attention to this, because one one of the things that's very frustrating working in the cannabis reform movement, and I think Jeff can speak to this as well as we can certainly, is a lot of people tell us that no one's in jail for pot anymore. Uh, In fact, we're working on the. We get that too. We we get that too. 
Yeah, we're working on the California uh, initiative out here, um, Proposition 63 for legalization. And, and like I said, this is one of the big big problems that we have is people have this misconception. And, you know, I think a lot of it is just people – uh, people, they understand that cannabis is, is actually beneficial for a lot of people in society, and so they just can't even wrap their head around the concept about what's been going on with our country here and our government that, that uh, allowed their, this situation to develop. So, uh, and, and this is where I, I think I'll just defer over to Jeff right away, is that, um, you know, the, the people really need the attention, and this is why having the movie and having programs like yours where people actually talk about this issue is so profoundly important. So I, I really appreciate being here today. Uh, Mickey, we have, you guys, we have, um, Chris, we have, we have prisoners that call right in from prison who are serving life sentences. In fact, the president has just recently granted a few of our lifers clemency, and we've had them right on our show to tell us what their freedom has felt like and and how they're how they're surviving and what prison was like. And so we this this show is is literally a voice right right, right from the war. We hear right directly from ex POWs and um, other other prisoners as well. And we, we we communicate with the prisoners. And so when they have messages and things like that, we we let our let everybody know what's going on behind the scenes with them actually in jail. So it's a real honor honor to have you guys on um, to talk about a little bit about the drug war. Um, I have a question. Um, uh, Jeff has told me all about some books that you guys have written um, and how how that's had an impact on our country. What what could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, basically we were working with uh, uh, a friend of ours who was working with uh, Families Against Mandatory Minimums, and so uh, that was Virginia Resner, and she had a project about women in prison to bring attention to the fact that. Again, it's another one of those issues where people just are in denial about. They, they think, you know, that there aren't women in prison, and, and so uh, she was working to bring attention to that. And my wife and I, we were uh, in the marijuana reform movement, and so we had this natural nexus where we uh, decided that we really wanted to bring the stories to people. I mean, this is like in, in the 1990s, mind you, this is 1995. So uh, we didn't have a radio show like yours to try to reach the world. Certainly that. Would have been great, uh, but what we did have is uh, the ability to gather the stories of drug war POWs and put them into a, a display. And so, the, when we did it in 1995, we um, uh, set it up so that we had a grid system. Uh, so it created kind of like the feeling of being in a cage, and and we had pictures and the stories of the uh, prisoners and their families. So that people could walk through it and look at all these different people and see their faces, you know, face to face with these prisoners in order to uh, understand that it's not, you know, when you talk about a prisoner, you're talking about a human being. And and, right. uh, and and so we went through this whole process of, of where you would go through and there was like 150 pictures of, uh, of pre-OWs that got on the walls and so forth. And then what we found out was people came out the other side. This was at the uh, 50th anniversary of the founding of the United Nations. So we did this event. Uh, people would come out on the other side and they would say, what country is doing that to all these poor Americans? So mm-hmm. we, we said, well, it's America, you know? And so then we had to go back and put American flags throughout the whole thing that people understood this is not, this is not going on in, uh, I mean, not that it's not going on in other parts of the world, but this, this problem of, of the brutality against our citizens over a plant is not something that's unique to uh, third world countries, you know? It, it, it's something that's going on in this country as well. 
and 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 so we uh, put this um, after a, a few years of traveling around with this exhibit, we got a, a grant from the Drug Policy Alliance. Uh, this is a really important organization. I'm sure you talked about it on your show. Uh, drug Policy mm-hmm. Alliance is actually at the time it was the Drug Policy Foundation and the uh, Lindsay Center, but they've since united the Drug Policy Alliance, and and so they. Uh, gave us a donation to make it into a book form. And so uh, so we made the book called Shattered Lies, Portraits of America's Drug War. And uh, so with the one hand, we had the book going. And on the other hand, we had the, the continuing exhibit of the um, Human Rights of the Drug War, which we put into a show over in Europe. And, uh, and it toured around Europe. And then we had other tours, uh, other exhibits here in the United States. And interestingly enough, one of those... Uh, Exhibits ended up in New Mexico uh, at the State House, where then Governor Gary Johnson uh, had to walk by it every day on his way into uh, work. And he he told us later on when we met him that that was one of the things that made him feel like he was a uh, he was a closet opponent to the drug war, and he decided he had to come public about it. And so uh, this is like one of the effects of this is that it got him, and how he's running for president of the United States, as some of your listeners may know, yeah. uh, as a libertarian. Yeah. The host so, uh, of our you show, know. Eugene, is trying to get him on our radio show here, but um, he's in the hospital now, but he's been, he knows some people who knows people who are trying to get him on, and then now he's, now he's in the hospital, so maybe that's probably not going to happen now, but we're, oh, we, we're, yeah. we admire him a lot. We admire him a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. And and so uh, I, I guess my point with that is, in addition to just telling people the story of what's happened there, uh, and that we continue to follow some of these people. And one of the most horrible, horrible things, though, is that uh, you know we talked about all these injustices of the way that the, the structure of the drug war, not only life in prison, but actually that we have the death penalty for marijuana in the United States. We're one of like three countries or four countries in the world that has the death penalty for marijuana. Uh, and that you know here we are, uh, twenty plus years later. And the uh, even though some of the people are out of prison, the policies are exactly the same, and new people are in prison. And this is where Jeff comes in because you know it doesn't. Even though we expose it, it, it goes on and on, and, and that's why shows like yours are so important because you know this is not something that's going away. This is something which we have to take it away, and, and we have to organize to do that. And showing these faces and telling these stories is so important. Giving people the opportunity to talk. Uh, with one another, something we beyond anything we could ever do that. So we're we're very impressed with what you're doing here on this program. Well, cool, cool. Um, today we're especially honoring a prisoner uh, by the name of um, Bill Lamorte, who served 20 years in prison, and on his 20th year, for he was sending a life sentence, and on his 20th year, he had a major heart attack in the prison yard and died. So we just don't want to forget about him. So we just wanted to just. Just say that real quick. Um, rest in peace, Bill Lamorte. We've been bringing his name up throughout the whole entire show as much as we can because we we want to remember yes. him because it happened on the fourth of July. Um, he died on the fourth of July, and so um, we just want to. We're just um, bringing him up to everybody today, so we don't forget about Bill well, Lamorte. Well, thank you, and, and here's to Bill Lamorte, and and we have to keep saying those names, reminding people. For sure, for sure. Um, which. Um, What's what's going to bring me to you guys, um, Chris Conrad and Mickey Norris, is I want to personally thank you guys for bringing up my father's name. Good good morning. Um, 
Well, Chris, I just wanted to especially thank you. Um, um, I talk about my uh, my dad a lot on this show. He died after four years of a of a prison sentence in in prison, and you guys wrote about him, Richard Flora, in your in your um, in your newspaper. So I wanted to thank you for for keeping my dad's name alive um, when he passed, and, and honoring him in your in your newspaper. Um, well, I, and I met you guys before in uh, Helena, Montana. I don't know if you guys remember being out of the little cabin out there, um, but you guys were there, and I met you. Oh, yeah, we certainly do. That was uh, an amazing trip. It was a very exciting time. It looked like the horror was opening up for Montana, and only, unfortunately, to find the wrath of the federal drug war very shortly afterwards. So, um, it, it, uh, and yeah, I honor I your boss. I honor you. Good morning, kids. Oh. Good. Yeah, Jeff, there you are. Hey, I've, I've been here all along listening to you um, groove on the uh, the absurd war on drugs. I'm I'm so ready for this to all end, and you're doing a great job. And we need our project heard. Like um, you know, like Amy said, while Obama is still in office, we we need to amp this up. I have a call out to Willie Nelson, Bill Maher, Snoop Dogg. Woody Harrelson. So anyone out there who can get these folks on board, we need the powerful, high-profile folks on board to push for clemency, reform, and restitution. We want to pay these guys back for their 12 cents an hour and uh, put some money away so they can have, um, you know, a gift of of getting their life back. Um, I have a candle lit here now for Eugene, and it burns for the rest of the inmates, Lance Glore and Jimmy Romans. And a shout out to Eugene. And uh, please join Jeff Mazansky and George Montanero um, at this year's Hempfest, Seattle, August 20th. It's a whole weekend. Come on in, fly in, drive in, walk in, everybody. From 8 to 11, our world premiere of our documentary, Lifers, a six part episode. And you may get tickets at lifersthemovie.com. But um, we're so pleased to have you, Chris and Mickey, on with us this morning. I know you've published your second book called Human Rights and the War on Drugs, and um, your very first book was so inspiring for my project. Um, I'm just blessed to be friends with you for over 30 years, and um, to have been part of the, the early days, now it's time to, to amp things up while Obama's still in office. And um, my current project is so um, excited to have you both on board because we resonate together and um, we'll have a tour. We'll have your books there. And I wanted to um, talk to you a minute, Chris, and uh, officially invite you to Lifer's The Movie premiere at Hempfest in Seattle on the 20th of August um, with um, our premiere Saturday night. And um, have you talk at, at our opening. We would love to have you. We would love to do that as well. In fact, so we could bring up some copies of our book, uh, Human Rights in the U.S. Drug War, to uh, to share with some people there. And uh, you know, I, I'm really excited about this stuff. I, I definitely plan on being there. We've been at uh, Hempfest almost every year since they started back in ninety. Uh, what was it, ninety one? Uh, we missed actually the first year or so, uh, but then um, we kept up with them ever since. And you know, that that's a kind of a event where I really we have. Hempfest is a really special event for people out there who haven't been there. It's a very large event, but also it's a uh, it's a protestival, meaning that it's at the same time it's a protest against the drug war. It's also a festival about the great uh, experiences that we share through cannabis. 
And so uh, they have that organization has always uh, allowed us to sponsor uh, showings of the Human Rights and the Drug War Project, where we updated with uh, the help of Amy Pova and others who uh, give us other stories to put into there. So I would be, uh, I, I think, having this event at your your opening at the Hempfest is really a great place to do it. I'm I'm very excited to be there, Jeff. I'd love to do we've, that. We've just We've just landed our um, our studio over by the Seattle Center uh, for Saturday night. It's a beautiful house studio, professional photography studio. We're going to have um, a backdrop, and we're going to um, have interviews the night of the gala. We're going to have a green carpet walk-in, just like a Hollywood premiere, and we're going to have Kristen on the green carpet interviewing people with lights yeah, and camera. And it's going to be really fun. It's going to be dress up and everybody. And guess what? We're going to have two lifers there to talk and to be interviewed and have photographs taken together. So everybody, just um, come in and open your hearts and then spread the word. Not only since we still have... Yeah? The lifers that you're talking about, George Monterano and Jeff Mazansky, those they are the most some of the most amazing people I've ever met. In fact, they call into our show on a regular basis. So I am I'm personally excited to be part of the, the green carpet with you and to be able to help to do the interviews. But most thing I'm excited for is to meet George and to meet um Jeff. They are my heroes and I'm just gonna just be so happy. Mindy, I'm I know Mindy's Mindy's on, on the line too. She's gonna be excited as well. Like and I'm hoping that Eugene, you know, I know Eugene is sick, but he's got his heart set on coming out too. So we just got to, um, I hope he can make it as well. But we'll yeah, pull, we'll pull I'm excited. Eugene to make, make it through. Yeah, because um, the night before everybody that um, Jeff Mazansky went to his parole board meeting after I was in prison filming him, I called out to Amsterdam, to Uruguay, and the rest of the nation to have a Google chat and do a green candle vigil for Jeff's positivity to get parole, and he did. So everybody, light a candle for Eugene. Get a green candle, everybody, and light one for Eugene, please, tonight. We love the energy of the combined sources and people that come out there and do it together. Yeah, right. And on. not just for so, you, uh, but for Bill Lamorte. We got to we got to honor Bill Lamorte as well cuz this uh I don't know what year he died in, but 4th of July is we got to we got to represent him. Well, candles don't discriminate, so light that candle for all prisoners around the world. <laughs> not only not only can cannabis, but for nonviolent drug criminals and nonviolent criminals yeah. that need reform. We need reform everybody. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that we we came into when we were doing the Human Rights and the Drug War Project. Is Our original idea was that we were thinking about human rights for cannabis consumers, but then when you get down to it, it's like, who doesn't deserve human rights, you know? So uh, so we had to expand it, and, and, and we ended up with people who weren't just cannabis uh, offenders. But I, I think there's still uh, a special poignancy of what you're doing, Kristen, in terms of uh, – bringing attention to the people because one of the things that, you know, when, when people are in prison for crack, and I know it ruined lives uh, for people to be locked away for a long time for that as well. Uh, you know, that some people have a hard time relating to it. But one thing that I think most people in this country understand at this point is that cannabis is just a plant, you know, and so it has a special power to remind people of how absurd the drug war is, how totally cruel it is, uh, you know, and, and I, I have to re-echo what Jeff was saying there. But I think that Obama is giving us this opportunity 
uh, in his last days in office, we have a chance to get more out of him than we probably are going to have for a while. Look at what happened when he got into office. He gave almost no clemencies for the first six or seven years. And now in his past uh, couple of years is when he's doing all this. So if that means that the next, next president, we might be waiting another uh, three or six years before they're ready to do the kind of releases that we need. We need mass releases of people from prison. In this yeah, we do. We need it instantly. It's like yesterday. Um, yeah, wow. We, but, Chris, we always say on this show, our slogan, uh, we got a couple slogans. No one should die in prison for a plant. No one should go to jail. Jail for a plant. Nobody should go to prison for a plant. Nobody should be caged for cannabis. I mean, it goes on and on. And and nobody should go to jail for nonviolent crime. Like it, it's never ending. Our our private prisons are overpopulated, and that that means too much, way too much um, profits for prisons. And we can't have our people dying in prison for profits. Do you, do you mind? You know, if I- I- do you both mind if I read if I read a paragraph that I picked out from the um, the human rights and the U.S. drug war that uh, that Chris and Mickey wrote? Sure, we would love. I would love to hear it. Okay, here's one paragraph, and I just did the I just did the tarot. I opened up one one page, and I'm and I'm going to read this to you. And this is from Chris Conrad and Mickey Norris's um, incredible new book. It says the cruel or unusual punishments affect not only those charged with drug offense, but others around them. The drug war will take families' breadwinner, throw them in prison, and seize their home and car and savings. It will put family onto the welfare rolls and take both parents and force the children to fend for themselves, to live with relatives or separate foster homes, such as collateral damages, never calculated into punishment given to the drug offenders. Furthermore, additional penalties like property, forfeiture, loss of housing, driver's license, educational, and medical benefits are often applied to the drug offenders, but not the violent criminals. Hello, Mary, and you know who. Yeah, that's a really powerful book. I need to get that book. Well, we'll make sure we get a copy to you. I'm really glad that uh, that Jeff has put us in touch with this because, you know, I, again, those those kind of factors, uh, a lot of times, you know, it, and you can speak to this, I'm sure, Kristen, it's like the family suffers at least, well, I can't say this as much, least as much because I don't know what the relationships are, but uh, to an extent very comparable to what happens to the, the uh, offender. And it's like even if you try to rationalize what they're doing to offenders, and I never use the word justify for what's going on with the drug war because there's no justice. But we can try to, you know, they may try to rationalize it, but it doesn't explain why a kid should lose their parents. Episode number two of That's why I'm here. That's why I'm fighting this. Go ahead, Jeff. Episode number two of Lifers is going to be about the children, and there was a four-year-old, and her daddy went away for 25 years. And um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to do a whole episode dedicated to the children. Yeah, in fact, right. well, we, we actually a- have a show. We have a show planned. In fact, it was going to be this show, but Eugene, Eugene got is in the hospital. But we have a show planned just for children of the drug war as well, for us. Oh. Um, so yeah, no, nobody should lose their parent for a plant. And, Chris, that's why I'm yeah. here is because, you know, it shouldn't happen to anybody ever. In fact, we, uh, I mean, just to show you how, how then it changed the whole next generation, um, I, I don't remember uh, what family it was in the story, but we had a story of a little kid who 
uh, said they wanted to commit crimes to go to prison too to be with their daddy. You know, Aww. why should a kid want to have to Aww. go to prison just to be with their parents? That breaks my heart. About what's going on in this country, and you know the thing is that we all know the American people are not bad people. Uh, they're it's living in a state of denial and letting the government run rampant around people's lives. So that's why it's so important for people to stand up. And uh, you know, here, I, I just want to mention this: in California, we don't have the, uh, uh, the life penalty or anything for the, for cannabis, but um, nonetheless, you know, we do have people in jail right now. So we have this initiative on the ballot. That's the Proposition 63, it's going to help out in a bunch of different ways. It's going to uh, legalize cannabis for personal use for small amounts. It's going to reduce sentences uh, for the remaining cannabis offenses. It's going to release people from prison uh, who are in there, and it's going to clean the records of people so they can get their jobs back and get back into society. And so uh, a lot of people are saying, well, it should do more, it should do more. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that those four things themselves are so important to get our people out of prison and to let them return to society as productive members of society. I am very uh, strongly supporting this. And also another thing with it that, that you were talking about, Jeff, is that it includes this section where uh, the taxes on legal marijuana here in California, part of that's going to be used to help uh, – keep people out of prison and to um, to make grants to help the communities that have been adversely affected by the drug war to uh, to get uh, more job opportunities and, and more opportunities in their neighborhoods uh, and, and, and things like that. So uh, it's not restitution the way you were talking about, Jeff, but it actually does uh, attempt to uh, – put some uh, re- repair, restorative justice, in other words, not only to let people out of prison, to give them the opportunity to get jobs, uh, to give them the, make some grants to give them the opportunities to succeed in life again after all these things that we've done to people. And so, um, you know, again, I'm encouraging people to support that, even though I know in, in California we don't have life in, in, in prison for marijuana uh, just because of the way our laws are set up here. That doesn't mean that if people are not in prison. It doesn't mean they should not be released, and it doesn't mean well, we should you not try to change few, it. You guys do have a federal, a few federal penitentiaries in there that are harboring some of our some of our strongest plant prisoners. So um, there are plant oh, yeah, prisoners right. in California, yes. just not being held no, under not, the California laws, being held under the federal laws. Yeah, I, exactly right. Thank you, Kristen. Thanks for correcting me. <laughs> well, I'm I'm a proponent for industrial hemp also with Jack Herrera, who said paper, fiber, and fuel um, throughout his um, Emperor's Wear No Clothes march and his whole life. And thank you, Jack, for all you've done for us. And, um, and you know, it's now not just paper, fiber, and fuel. It's medicine, CBD, and it is also food, the hemp seed, which has protein for us vegans. And I'm just so proud to visualize that there's thousands of acres of hemp being grown so we don't have to cut trees for paper anymore. And teenagers can work in the farms and get off the street. Yeah, right, fact, right. the initiative here in California, it takes away uh, – California law, uh, we've already got a hemp bill. But what happened is that then uh, – well, actually, still our governor, Jerry Brown, he, he, he told them that he was going to veto it unless they added a part that said you need a federal DEA license. And so with this initiative, it's going to take away that requirement. Of course, we all know requiring somebody to get a federal DEA license is telling them not to do it because they're not going to give those licenses. And, uh, and so that's another really good reason to uh, support the initiative, Jeff. I'm glad you brought that up. And another thing people should know about right now is that this past weekend we had the Kyoto uh, 
hemp forum where uh, we talked about in Japan using industrial hemp to help remediate uh, the, the land after all these uh, devastating uh, situations they've had with, like, the, uh, the Fukushima release and so forth. And you're trying to get hemp back into Japan because this is a really another good example of the drug war. Hemp is a part of the Japanese culture, and yet they, for the past, uh, since World War II, they've barely even spoken about it because after the World War, uh, the United States came in and forced them to reject their own uh, history of uh, using hemp and replacing no. the whole petro uh, criminal thing. And so, you know, just even to talk about hemp is difficult there because of the stigma against marijuana is so strong. And so uh, I'm really glad you brought that up, Jeff, because we, well, I think we made a major step in cracking the, the, the global issue, but also Japan itself, to understand how important this is going to be to restore hemp to the planet. So thanks for bringing that up. And uh, here's to Jack. And here's to Bill Norte. Well, yes. Well, the global yes. issue is so um, important. Yes. Yeah, you guys, we're talking about Jack, and we're talking about the global issue. If every, anybody listening, I'm in urge. And I usually go in, we talk about Jack when I, I do a closing every every week on the show, and we, we talk about rest in peace to all of our prisoners and our heroes. And I do a special thing for Jack because I just know Jack is out there leading the war on the other side, and he's hanging out with my dad and Bill Amorte and uh, Peter McWilliams and all of them are. You know, we've got, we've got we've got people on the other side that are fighting fighting for this as well. But if anybody listening, uh, please go get Jack's book, Emperor Wears No Clothes, and it will explain everything you need that we're talking about right now that you need to know. Jack wrote um, the, guys, uh, the the revision. Jack wrote the revision in my living room in 1994, five or six, in L.A. Wow. <laughs> with, with Ellen Comp. Hi, Ellen. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, of course I designed and edited the book uh, back in the day too. So it's, well, we're uh, still in. We're, the, we're still on the bus. We're still on the bus, yeah. everybody. Let's get this green bus going. Well, and it makes me really feel proud of, of people who stayed around for this long, you know, because it's, it's a heart moving, you know, it, it can grind you down uh, dealing with the fact that people being in prison all the time and stuff like that. So you need to really keep your energy up. Well, and, and our and our hearts, too, because Washington State, where Kristen and I live, on July 1st, we lost medical, and that's absurd. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, medical. Medical. And we had a really good thing going on for a lot of years, and now now it's gone. Well, you guys, we've got to um, we've got to go on. We have one more guest coming on, and then after that, we're going to do our close. But I want to thank both of you guys for coming on to the show and talking about the Lifers documentary and about your book and about everything that's going on in California. Uh, we appreciate the news right from the front line, and we thank you guys. Mindy, Mindy's another host of the show today. Mindy, is there anything else you want to add to this before we go? Oh, no, I, you guys covered it all. <laughs> all right, cool. All right. Next week, I'll play, my, I'll play my music. I'll play my music next week. I, I recorded three prison songs live. From the um, from cool. the Fiddle Tunes Festival, and they're going to be coming to our premiere at Hempfest for our movie premiere, and they're going to perform live for us. And I'm looking forward cool. to seeing people there. And uh, this is just yeah. kind of I just want to say thanks for the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's so important. Yeah. What you're doing. Aloha. 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 All right, thank you guys. Right. Have fun in Hawaii. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Jeff. Aloha.
Uh, you guys, it seems as though we might be experiencing a little technical difficulties as there is an echo on the show. Um, the echo is, I don't know why, but it seems like the echo might have just went away. But um, sorry about the echo. And for now, we're going to go to Tom Corby. Um, Tom Corby is the chapter coordinator for the Human Solution International. And Tom is an advocate for the plant and for the plant prisoners and for the plant defendants. Tom organizes all kinds of court support and prison outreach and brings us the news right from the front lines, right from Northern California. Um, so here is Tom Corby. Good morning, Tom. Uh, uh, thank you, Christian. And he leads Life Live, Stephen King Fisher. We sure do miss him on the show. Oh, it's good to hear about the And that's what happens. Uh, defendants will go to jail, prison takes their health away. Uh, it's nice to hear Dr. Allen, our friend, talk. Uh, he's going to trial in November. I'm going to try to get it on in the solution calendar. I'm having a little glitch right now. Uh, what we need to do is, this is a civil bad man law case. So we'll need to get him a, yes, we'll need to get him a, uh, uh, an attorney, uh, a civil uh, admin attorney to handle the case. Bob there in the one Many uh, So uh, I hope we can find him. Uh, Matthew Pappas comes to mind. If we can get a hold of Matthew to help Dr. Allen. And we'll want to bring court support November 501 I Street, Sacramento. Uh, also, uh, we have Nick Moran. I've been talking about Nick and Alex Lyons, uh, how their case, cases are unique and different uh, in that they, uh, they uh, Alex Lyons waves his right to waive time. David Joseph Tully uh, was there from Nick Moran the other day, said, uh, complimented Alex for uh, taking him right to trial. And also Nick Moran. Uh, Nick's uh, also now heard Joseph Tully uh, had a hearing last week. Uh, hearing that's it's pretty standard, uh, just refusing another incompetent uh, attorney and hiring Joseph Tully. Uh, Nick goes on to pretrial conference. Uh, July 15th at 1.30 p.m. That's number one Court Street here, right here in Orville. Uh, court support always requested. Uh, we talk about always local um, and bear witness and to support a defendant. Caitlin uh, Fisher <coughs> in Las Vegas. Uh, another BS case. Uh, he had uh, he was going to be sentenced here uh, recently, and then the judge, we found out the judge maintained it. He is involved in three dispensaries. And <laughs> so he's recused himself, and so uh, the hearing, is, the sentencing hearing will be scheduled at a future time. Uh, Shelby Lucero uh, is up again. How uh, about Shelby? Uh, we talk about the waste of taxpayers' 
and money and how it disrupts life and family, how she uh, went 35 preliminary hearings. Think about that. What's that saying? Four years. She's taken out. The judge says that her uh, that she needs to uh, explain herself and has to go to trial. Uh, this case should have been dismissed a long time ago. So uh, stop this coming Thursday, uh, July 7th at 8.30 a.m. And that's number uh, 720 uh, 9th Street, Sacramento, Superior Court. Uh, come support Shelby if you can. Uh, we always talk about going trial. We hear the trial coming up. Court support is and uh, jury nullification always comes to mind. I'm so glad that helped Dr. Allen save him from going to jail 35 years. And like Kristen said, that's like a lost sentence. So I want to thank all everybody today. Uh, I think I've covered everything here. Um, uh, you can come and join us and help with the solution to prohibition at uh, the Human Solution International dot org. Uh, I want to thank everybody today, and always don't forget to breathe. Certainly <laughs> help, and uh, also uh, happy Independence Day to all Christian. And uh, I hope we can fish her back. She'll be missing. And okay, thank you all. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. That was Tom Corby, the Northern Chapter Coordinator for the Human Solution International. Speaking of the Human Solution International, uh, we want to thank Becca, who is an Executive Director for the Human Solution International, who you might have, uh, if you called into the show, you heard her. She's screening the phone calls today. Um, she's taken extra special time out in her day to be able to help us today because Eugene is sick. So I just want to really just especially thank Becca because if it wasn't for her right now, we wouldn't have gotten this far today. So um, thank you, Becca. We love you very much, and um, I love you personally as well. Uh, Mindy, um, is there anything you want to say? For, did we forget anything today? Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> we probably did forget yes. lots of things. Mindy's also the I producer am. of the show. She keeps us on track. Yeah, I, I'm not feeling on track today, but I did want to mention again that Chris Williams is uh, still in the hole. Um, he suspects he'll be there for quite some time. So if you are in uh, contact with him on Core Links, you won't be for a while, and I recommend sending him a letter. He'd love to see some pictures. He doesn't even care what they are. I sent him pictures of a vacation I took 15 years ago just because I didn't have anything else. So... Um, you know, pictures of oh, a mountain or trees or something, anything to, to keep his mind off of the four walls he's in would be great. Yeah, I will get on it, Mindy. You, for the listeners, um, Chris Williams was my dad's business partner um, who got snitched on by all my dad's other business partners and is in a prison, get this, in SeaTac, Washington, a federal prison, in a state where it's legal. So, like, while the war seems over, is it not really? It's just going on. Along with Lance Glore, um, I just want to send something out to Lance Glore. They're in the same prison, don't know each other. 
um, but Lance went to trial as well. Um, I haven't been able to keep up on a lot of the details um, with Lance lately because I've been having a lot of personal things going on in my life, but I've been seeing his family holding signs out for him, and they were supposed to be moving him, but he's not, hasn't been moved yet. He's still in CTAC, so um, that's what's going on in Washington prisons. Um, I guess I'm going to go into closing, Mindy. Is there, you think, can you think of anything else? Um, Free Richard DeLisi, I just want to say that, right, of course, off the bat, and all the other ones. But can you think Absolutely. of anything? Um, a big shout out to my new, uh, my new angel. I've talked to him for a while, Michael Knight, but uh, I'm going to be working with him directly. And again, uh, thanking Amy for giving us the structure to help us feel successful. Um, that and Piers Baker, Piers and Sheridan, um, Robert Furlong. He's from Colorado. I can't remember which prison he's in. Jason Nelson, um, Michael Peltier, um, Farrell Scott. I could keep naming names. Um, I feel like there's so many of them to say hi to and, and wish uh, independence for. So, but that's all I got today. And I definitely think today now's a good time to go into closing. Okay. Well, while we do closing, let's just think about it for a second. Think what Mindy just said. Um, she said a lot of prisoners that she too many that she wishes independence for. And tomorrow's Independence Day, the fourth of July. And we have some people that have passed away that are not here um to celebrate the fourth of July or to fight for each other's freedom. But first, before we go into that, we want to thank Becca, Mindy, listeners, callers, guests, everybody who has participated in bringing the voice to the front lines of the war, Um, especially CCHI 2016, who has given us a platform for us to have this voice. Um, We want to say rest in peace. We want to end the war. Um, Rest in peace to my dad, Richard Floor, um, who (laughs) gave me so many Fourth of July memories. Um, it's because of my dad that I believe in freedom, which is why I'm not giving up the hope of freedom, which is what I'm fighting for. So, um, as we celebrate our freedom tomorrow, we are still having to fight for it. So don't forget that it's not all the way here. We don't have freedom like we are celebrating. So focus on freedom, um, use this as a tool to, to help end the war in the future so that everybody can have freedom, especially if you never hurt anybody. Um, My father died shackled to a bed because of the plant. He owned five dispensaries in Montana. And um, my dad finally is free. Um, He did not die as an American, a free man, but he is no longer um, a prisoner anymore. And so Tomorrow, the 4th of July, is going to honor my dad's freedom, per, me personally. Also, I'm going to be, uh, we, we should all, of course, be honoring Gary Shepard's freedom um, on the other side because Gary Shepard was here growing some plants about 20 years ago. The feds raided him and shot him down to the ground. And, his, and they also shot down Mary Jane Jones, who was holding their son, Baby Jake, um, Mary Jane Jones survived, and she just recently passed away um, this year. Gary Shepard died that day, um, so on the 4th of July, we want to honor Gary Shepard. We also want to honor 
um, Jack Herer, who we just spoke to or t- spoke about a little bit earlier, who died of cancer, but he died fighting for the freedom of everybody. But he, um, he wrote a book called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Um, please, please get that. Um, not only that, but he fought for our rights in California and all over the place. Jack has so many, so many um, people who look up to his sacrifices. So rest in peace, Jack Herer. Also rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who who they, he was serving time on uh, probation, and they said that he couldn't smoke have the plant. He was, a, he was a civil rights leader, not just for the plant, but for gay rights as well. And he was an amazing man who wrote many books. Um, one of them was one that helped me about death. And so please pick up Peter McWilliams' books and honor Peter McWilliams. It's told that he choked on his own vomit, and he passed away um, because cannabis helped release nausea, and so he'd throw up. And so basically, rest in peace, Peter McWilliams. Also, we've been given a lot of focus to Villa Morte. He is a plant prisoner who served 20 years in prison behind bars for cannabis, and he was serving his life sentence. And on the 4th of July, um, he died in the prison yard. He died from a major heart attack. Um, he wasn't a free man. He shouldn't have died in prison. I mean, what a miserable life to spend 20 years in prison for a plant and then have to die there. And nobody should have to die in prison for a plant. Um, Bill Lamorte will never be forgotten on the show. So rest in peace, Bill. Also rest in peace to Larry Harvey, who was a Kettle Falls Five family member who was facing basically 60 years in prison. But Larry died in the middle of the war from cancer. He'd been fighting for his family's freedom, his own freedom, and everybody else's freedom. Even took trips out to D.C. to try to try to change laws. Um, so rest in peace, Larry. Also rest in peace, D. Young, for giving us Adam. And rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, whose father called into our show earlier, who's serving his 13th year of his life sentence. Curtis was taken um, taken out of the war. His father wasn't even able to go to his funeral. Also, these, these two are some, some children. Um, rest in peace to Spencer Costas and Cashy Hyde, who was using the plant to cure their brain tumors. Well, when, when their caregivers were raided, the plant went away, and their brain tumors grew, and the two little children died in the middle of the war, not being able to receive access to the precious medicine that was, that was keeping them alive. Also, rest in peace to Bernardo Fumer Martinez, who died of cancer, who was fighting so hard to end the war. I is, is a really good friend of mine, um, and I know what he would say about the Fourth of July today. Um, he's a, a really strong leader, um, mentor to me. He meant a lot, and uh, he meant a lot to the rest of the world as he was trying to make videos in order to tell other countries what was going on with our prisoners here in the United States. Um, also, a rest in peace to Elaine Sammons, who had a, a similar situation to Spencer Captus and Cashy Hyde. Is she wasn't able to get her medicine because the post office intercepted it. The Onak tribal tribe was sending it to her, and when they took the medicine, she didn't have pain relief, and she died. And rest in peace to Elaine. Also rest in peace to Oscar, who was friends with George Monterano and Jean while they were in prison. And they say he went to FCI in the sky. And I want to give a special shout-out to um, Dr. David Allen's friend or person that he's advocating for on our show today. Um, William Joel Dixon, and we don't know if he was necessarily in prison for cannabis, but he shouldn't have been in prison and he shouldn't have died there, period. So thank you for listening to the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show. 
um, help us in prohibition so nobody else has to die in prison for a plant and all of our plant prison techniques return home to their families. Right now we're going to play a song. Um, usually I play a rap song that I really love, but today we're going to play one called um, These Walls Around Me by Carrie Lee Woosley, who is a plant prisoner. I believe he's on his 13th year. He's going to be released soon, but he launched these songs and released these songs right from behind prison for cannabis, so check it out. I've got these walls around me, so tell me how you found me. Thought I'd never see your face again. And am I just dreaming or maybe just a feeling for someone to call a friend? I feel a million miles away from this life of mine. Punishments from things done wrong make you do sometimes. You do what you do, thinking what you do will pass somehow. Baby, look at me now. I've got these walls around me, so tell me how you found me. Thought I'd never see your face again. And am I just dreaming, or maybe just a feeling? Someone to call a friend. Trust me, I am lonely, my privacy is phony. I'm just waiting to feel free. I haven't begun yet to see my first sunset. When I do, can you come with me? Can you come with me? So please don't forget my smiling face and all the good I've done. For this crazy place I'd be there for you No matter what you do No matter who you know Baby, what did you do? I've got these walls around me Tell me how you found me Thought I'd never see your face again And am I just dreaming Or maybe just a feeling With someone to call a friend Oh, 
and I see Jeff Eichen is still on. And Jeff, I just want to say, if we don't get, if we don't get um, the people we want, Carrie Lee Woosley will be out of prison soon. And he is, he, these songs came popular, and he has a huge voice, and he's came on our radio show before, so he'll help us get the prisoners' voices out. And he's so inspired about changing the war when he gets out. So we have him on our team soon, Jeff. I see you there. Um, next, I'm going to play another song from Carrie Lee Woosley. It's called Freedom. After this one, I'm going to play another one, but check this one out. It's called Freedom. Carrie Lee Woosley, one of our heroes, wrote this song, and I'm, I'm proud to be able to play it on our show. My freedom, well, it leaves me today These last few months went warp speed, I must say If you were smart, you'd leave me and walk away Oh, babe So now I sit here and I pray Got your freedom and a heart that is filled for me, and I will not let them take it away. While you say we don't need it, well, that's easy for them to say. Well, hold me tight, don't let them put me away. Freedom, babe. I told I'd be free and walk away. I lost my freedom, babe. Well, you got your freedom and a heart that is filled for me. And I will not let them take it away. While you say we don't need it. Well, that's easy for them to Won't hold me tight, don't let them put me away Freedom, babe Well, you got your freedom And a heart that is still for me And I will not let them take it away Well, you say we don't need it Well, that's easy for them to say Well, hold me tight Don't let them put me away Freedom, babe All right, well, listener, 
listeners, for those of you who are still there, um, that song is way so heavy on my heart because he talks about about basically what happens to a plant prisoner when they go to trial. And this is how a lot of people get life is because their their partners, their friends, their family members, they snitch on you. And that's what the feds tell them, you know, take this deal, rat out your friends, and then your friends that are fighting for their freedom, they go to trial and get you to tell on them, and they're gone, and you're free. And that's what the DEA tells them. If you want your freedom, you got to snitch. So, like, that song just means a lot. And both of his songs, These Walls Around Me, when I was hearing it, like, they both touched my heart this morning. Because tomorrow's the 4th of July, and I miss my dad. Today is a radio show, and I miss Eugene. And I miss all of our people who are homes with their families. So, um, please, this one, um, this one, the last one I play, which I usually play first, just because it's kind of live, and I like to leave the show with, like, a exciting feeling and not a sad one, because those two songs make me sad, but I love this song, too. Uh, it's called No More War by Kushite Siksta, and it really means a lot because I don't want no more war, and neither does anybody. Check it out, and have a beautiful Sunday.
While they kids education is growing more Funds spent for spy killing drones While CNN and Patriot commercials breed human drones from home Recording scripted terrorist training in places you can't visit So the real plan of extinction you don't get it. The country surrounding Israel, the holy land is now being in W.O. committed. The war is still through the mind, the actions is how they get it. Or should I say the strap? They say it's oil, but it's deeper than that. It's just more smoke to the mirror, so I radiate more hope clearer. Shed tears for my peers, the judgment day gets nearer. So I exercise mightier than the sword. Use the pen to paint the lines with conscious mind the world can explore. So maybe you can find out why they bring us to war. I feel 
needed. Eating edibles, packing bongos, cutting up grass like on the lawnmowers. It's just a plant, a usable herb. We need to go green, it's what the earth deserves. If we grow hemp, we can help save trees. If we grow hemp, we can save economies. If we grow hemp, we provide what we need. We need to grow hemp for humanity. You need to do your research on hemp history. 1942, hemp for victory. Just read Jack Hare's book page for page. The information you get, you'll be amazed. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.